is going to be Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. So if you would open your Bibles and join me there. Joshua 1, verse 7 will be our verse for tonight. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, we humbly come before you asking that you would pour out your spirit. Father, you have given us a zeal for the name of Christ. We long to see his name hallowed in this area and all the earth, and we are helpless to do it without your power. So give us understanding and give us your grace-enabling power that by it your church would be built, that Christ would be proclaimed, that his name would be exalted, and that you would receive glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, Joshua chapter 1 is sort of like that cinematic movie battle scene where the troops are gathered. They are grossly outnumbered. They are filled with fear. Maybe morale is at an all-time low, and they quite frankly would rather go back to Egypt than fight. Uh, This is when the fearless leader needs to step in and step up and deliver one of those military speeches that's so uplifting and so motivating that it churns Every man from a coward into a brave heart, and everybody goes galloping into the battle together as their fearless leader warrior leads them into victory. That's what's happening here in Joshua 1. The first nine verses are really God-inspired military monologue from the Lord himself, and Joshua is that leader. He is to lead the nation into the greatest invasion the world has ever known. Perhaps the greatest. I mean, the Lord was there. And verse 7 is that battle cry that provides the necessary motivation to store up the people to do what needs to be done. So that's where we're at. That's the context, and I want to read our verse together. So we'll just read verse 7 if you're open to your Bible there now. Verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. God says, Be strong and courageous. In fact, He says it three times in the first nine verses, and and that's because strength and courage are the indispensable weapons for an effective soldier. To be properly equipped for war, you must be strong and courageous. And for verse 7, we're going to meditate on four biblical God-defined facts about strength and courage. So number one, strength and courage are anchored in obedience. Strength and courage are anchored in obedience. Look at the verse again. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
So there's the connection. Be strong and courageous by being obedient. It's not what I would have expected the Lord to say. Maybe something like, be strong and courageous for I will fight for you or your brothers are with you. But that's not what he says. Strong and courageous by being obedient. Joshua's success in leading Israel into the promised land does not depend on military prowess or military might, but it depends squarely on his personal obedience to the law. If he obeys, he is successful. If he disobeys, he fails. And so being strong and courageous first means obedience. means obedience. It's really simple to preach. It's simple to say. It's simple to understand. And even though that's true for many of us, some of the time or in some seasons, it's hard and it's elusive. And I want to explore why that is. Why do we sometimes cave into sin even when we don't want to? I know what that feels like. I know most of you do too. When sin is the last thing that you want and you end up caving to it anyway, just a few moments later, Well, God knows this about us. That's why he has commanded it here. It is by way of reminder. He knows that we need to hear these things again and again because of our weakness. We are a stiff-necked people, and we are filled with pride, and we are filled with unbelief. And really, that's, that's the problem. This is why... As God's people, we stumble into sin even when we don't want to because pride says, I know a better way. I know a better way. And unbelief says, my better way will make me happy. Not obedience to the law, but my way will make me happy. So in pride and unbelief, We spend our time and energy hatching schemes that will free us up to do whatever we believe it is that will make us happy. And the bottom line is pretty simple. If what you think this thing is that will make you happy, if that is not in line with obedience to God's word, then it's not God's idea. It is yours. It is your sin, and in your sin you have pitted yourself against God. God, the scripture says that the love of God is to keep his commandments. It also says that if we first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, then everything will be added to you. But it's a question of believing it. This is where scripture confronts our sin. In order to agree and assent to sin in the heart and in the mind, we must believe that it's true. But Scripture is saying obedience is always better. Do you believe it? Because in context in this life, we are charging into battle. We're in it now. We're in that battle, and the goal is to take the promised land. And that means that we need all the strength and courage we can muster. But when we disobey, it's like defecting behind the the enemy lines. And when we do that, when we defect into the world, 
when we buy that, that lie, hook, line, and sinker, and we defect into the world, courage and strength, they dissipate, and it gives way to weakness and fear. And we all know how that feels. I know we do. When we sin, we wrap ourselves in weakness and fear. It makes everything else worse. We thought we would feel better if we had it our way, but our sin only leaves us disappointed and dejected and jaded every time, so we need this reminder that first, strength and courage is anchored in obedience to God. Second, strength and courage are anchored in devotion. Strength and courage are anchored into devotion. Just picking up in our verse, the very next sentence begins by, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Now this command to not turn away from the law either to the right or to the left is a command to be solely devoted to the word of God. Strength and courage is singular, devoted focus to God and on his word. And it's here on this point that we really get to the heart of the matter because devotion, whatever you're devoted to, devotion to God or lack of devotion to God is, is really what reveals what's going on in the heart. Right? You cannot have two masters. You are either busy obeying God or you are busy obeying the idols of your heart. There is no in-between. Bet- in it is really black and white. And again, this is simple to explain and simple to understand, but it's altogether something different to faithfully live out devotion. Now, this might seem like a crude comparison, uh, but in, in all comparisons, you know, they, they give way, they falter and break down at a point, but some of you might know that we have a family dog. Her name is Emma. Emma is solely devoted to me. She's devoted to me. Everybody in the family knows this about her. She gives me her heart, and she lays it down. She looks to me. She goes everywhere I go. She follows me. She's devoted to me, and I respond to that, right? There's, it's moving to me. The point is devotion is a strong word. And when you do, use devotion, when you see devotion, when you see devotion in someone else to something else, it's obvious to everyone else, is it not? Devotion is a strong word, but does it describe your relationship to God and your relationship to his word? Are you devoted to it? Or are you looking to the left or to the right, to something else? Now, devotion is obviously a strong word, and we want to bring our hearts to God in devotion So how do we do this? How do we stop ourselves from turning to the right or to the left? Well, I think the answer is in our verse. It's implied in our verse. It's the knowledge of God. If Joshua is to be personally obedient to the entire law, then he needs to personally know it. And so there's just a couple points I want to quickly hit here with you. First, unlike Joshua, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the divine author of Scripture. 
And the Holy Spirit uses Scripture itself as the means by which he fills us up with devotion and love to God. So if, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again, then the Word of God is your food. But are you devoted to it? We like to use the word devotions or devotional to speak about the regular time we spend in God's Word. I was busy doing my devotions for the day. That's how we use it. But if your time, if your regular time in God's Word is just a few minutes here or a few minutes there, is that really honoring the word devotion? Devotion is a word that describes being all in. It's a word that describes going all out, solely given over to, focused, and dedicated. Is that a description of your private time? Are you all in? Are you giving yourself over to it? Are you creating time and space that's necessary to say, I am trying to live a life that's devoted to God and his word. It's not just enough to plow through scripture. And that's the second point I wanted to make about that. We must learn to meditate deeply on God's word and we must learn to massage it into our hearts. And again, this takes time. It takes time and it takes energy and there are plenty of traps and distractions to the right and to the left. They're designed to keep you from devotion to God. But do you know what those distractions are in your life? And if you do, what are you doing about those distractions? Because you can be led to the trough, but no one here can force you to drink. That's not what devotion is. Devotion flows freely from a heart of grace, out of love and eagerness. Devotion does not kick. Devotion does not scream. Devotion does not, it doesn't resist. Devotion runs to its object of love. Are you devoted to God's word? Three, third, strength and courage are anchored in trust. Strength and courage are anchored in trust. At the tail end of our verse, verse 7, God says that you may have good success wherever you go. That's the promise. That you may have good success wherever you go. Obedience and devotion to God's word leads to success wherever you go. That's the promise. It's obedience that yields success in this life. And God is expecting us to trust him to it. The question is, what is success? What is success? In the eyes of the world, I think it's pretty obvious. We all go through this experience. We're trained and programmed from a very early age to, to be led to believe that success is this thing that you have to unlock in your heart this personal giftedness or a passion that you might have. You have to learn how to unlock that. 
and then go do that, then you'll be personally fulfilled, then you'll be successful. Unlock whatever that is, go to college, pour water on it, nurture it, monetize it, that's success. That's what the world will tell you. But is that success in the eyes of God? Is that how it works in the Bible? Is that how it worked for Moses? Remember Moses' call at the burning bush? He did not want to lead Israel. He begged God for an out. He said he wasn't cut out for it, that he wasn't the kind of person who could lead Israel, who could speak for God. He was not of eloquent speech, but it didn't matter to God, and it didn't factor into his success. Success in the Bible doesn't depend on personal fitness for a job, but it depends wholly on obedience to the word of God. This is success in the eyes of God. It's your sanctification, Christian. It's your holiness. These things are required for entrance into this promised land that we're heading into. We touched on it this morning, Sunday school, was there again in the sermon, and here it is again. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So how do you enter the, the promised land? By sanctification and belief, by holiness and trust, both a work of grace, both completely and 100% necessary. And it's not workspace righteousness, right? That's not what we're talking about. Sanctification is a gift of God's grace and it serves as evidence that your citizenship is in heaven, that you are a rightful heir to step foot into this promised land. That's true Christian success. Weakness and fear runs to something else but strength and courage trust in the promise of God, which leads us to our fourth and final point. Strength and courage are anchored in Jesus. Strength and courage are anchored in Jesus. By human standards, Joshua leads a successful military campaign because he is mostly faithful. It isn't long before, you know, the cracks begin to show. Very first battle, Achan sins, he covets, he takes some of the devoted things, he hides them in, in the ground under his tent. And because of this breach of faith, the battle of Ai is an absolute disaster. And before you know it, they're making an egregious treaty with the Gibeonites, something that God had strictly forbidden and these things lead to blatant idolatry, major breaches of the law. They become just like the people that they were expelling from the land. And therefore, they are exiled as well from the promised land. Israel blew it. And so did we. So did we. As strength and courage is obedience, devotion, and trust to, in God's word, 
then we must admit we don't meet the biblical standard. And these are the weaknesses that Jesus came to save us from. The world would tell you that Jesus is a crutch for the weak. I've heard this. Now, you may not like how that sounds because it's intended to be an insult, but they've got a point. They've got a point. The world is deceived into believing that they are strong. But when God calls you, he pulls you out of this deception and he makes you see yourself for who you really are in all of your weaknesses. No one here is either strong or courageous, not by biblical standards. And so we look to Christ. He is the one who fulfills the law. He is the one who cares for every iota, every dot, every tittle. It's his love for God, his love, his devotion, his obedience, his trust. He takes the promised land for us by his perfect strength, his perfect obedience, and he takes it by his own brute force. And then he shares that with everybody who trusts in this gospel. That is true strength and courage. Trusting in that gospel message that you don't have it in you. You can't live up to this law any more than Joshua could, any more than the Israelites could. And so strength and courage is anchored in Jesus. There is no other way by which anyone can take a single step into the eternal promised land. You enter either by trusting in the strength Encourage of Jesus, or you don't enter at all. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the strength and courage of Christ. Father, help us to trust in him, that we may obey him more, that we may grow in devotion to him, that we may trust him more, and that we may join him as your people in the promised land, face to face, to his glory forever and ever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.